show it is underwear olympics time but not the same way that that we normally do it because there's not going to be a combine in indianapolis this year where everybody goes and is forced to wear spandex and work out for for television cameras but the nfl draft process is in full effect you're listening to this if you're listening to it when you got it in your feed it's friday morning which means trevor lawrence is about to throw for scouts at Clemson first big pro day of the year. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about Dane Brugler's mock draft. Dane is our draft guru here at the athletic. His first mock draft came out on Thursday. Well, his first mock draft with the actual order intact. We needed to have somebody win the Super Bowl before we knew what the exact order was. So Dane has his mock draft and Dane, I, I love this because you are predicting your run on quarterbacks early and a massive, just, feeding frenzy in the quarterback market because teams that need one are going to have to trade to get to them. And how much fun was this trying to figure out who's going to really trade and, and what are they, what are they going to be willing to give up? Yeah. And, and you know, it's February. So mock drafts at this stage of the game are all about laying out scenarios. It's all about, you know, trying to uh, map out how uh, you know a different scenario could could happen and in the actual NFL draft we know there's going to be trades and so while near impossible to accurately nail each one of these trades it's still uh something that's going to happen in reality so let's have some fun with it uh let, let's uh you know make some trades that based off of track history you know track record and history and how these teams operate uh, you know, what's some moves that they could possibly make? And in a draft like this, where it's quarterback heavy at the top, and it's, it's an exercise of musical chairs. If you don't have your quarterback, you're left without that chair. Uh, you know, you're, you're in trouble. So some of these teams are going to feel the pressure to be aggressive and go get their guy. And, you know, in this scenario, uh, you know, obviously no intrigue at number one, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. Um, and number two, I, I didn't, I, you know, a lot of people might do a trade here as well, but with the Jets, I, I think they see the opportunity to reset the franchise. Um, you know, as long as they feel comfortable with one of these quarterbacks, that's the pick at two. I think Zach Wilson's the favorite. Um, you know, Zach Wilson's been the number two pick in each one of my mock drafts. Uh, this is my third one uh, going back to November, and I don't see any reason up to this point to change that. You know, we'll see how the last uh, two months of this process shake out. But then at number three, that's where the first shakeup happens, and that's uh, with the Carolina Panthers, who have said they're going to be aggressive, so we're going to go get our quarterback. And if they feel strongly enough about a Justin Fields, uh, you know, then you know, trade a future one to go up and get their guy. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels here with uh, – you know, what we've seen uh, teams do in the past, um, you know, uh, Ryan Day and uh, Coach Rule have, you know, they had to overlap a temple. So there's some familiarity there. They'll have all the information they need on Justin Fields. And, you know, Fields is a player with all the talent. It's just he needs time to put it all together. And going to a team like the Panthers, where he won't be pressed into action from day one, he can really learn, develop. I think Coach Rule is going to be, uh, very comfortable with Fields as a person in terms of what he brings culture-wise, uh, leadership, uh, you know, the character uh, from that side of things. And so 
I, I think it's a match. It's something that could, could uh, we could possibly see play out. Uh, they could stay at number eight. That's where the Panthers are currently slotted. But then you're running the risk of, you know, what are the Eagles going to do at six, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. Carson Wentz likely on his way out? Um, you know, what are, what are some of these other teams, the Patriots, the 49ers, uh, Washington, some of these other quarterback needy teams looking to trade up maybe in front of the, of the Panthers at eight. So uh, there is, uh, you know, a lot of teams have traded up in the past and it hasn't worked out uh, for quarterback while, you know, some teams have traded up and it has worked out. You know, the Bills going up for Josh Allen. Um, you know, the T, you know, the chiefs and, uh, the Texans trading up in 2017 for Watson and, uh, Mahomes. So, you know, it, it, there was it, another it, it, team that traded up that year though. I, I, yeah, you, you I didn't want to, I didn't left them out. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't mention them. Um, you know, it's still, still a little fresh for our, our Chicago bear listeners. Um, but, poor, uh, you poor know, Robert, poor Robert Mays of the football yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's uh, a long suffering bears fan. That Trubisky thing. Is it, it, we don't let him forget it. Is is the yeah? Word. We just don't. I, I, I'll, I'll be eager to get uh, Robert's reaction after the Bears trade away a first rounder for Carson Wentz um, in this draft. We'll see. <laughs> but that, that's 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 for another show. Uh, so yeah, you no, know, the quarterbacks in this draft. If you if you don't get your guy early, you might be left without without a chair. And so it's it's going to be really fascinating to see this whole thing play out. Well, our team's kind of telling on themselves now when you, you see who who went after Matthew Stafford when he was right. available, who's potentially going to go after Deshaun Watson, who's potentially going after Carson Wentz. It seems like people are announcing, hey, we're in the quarterback market. And so does that make it easier to figure out who might be active on draft day to, to try to get somebody? Uh, yes and no, because I think um... – with Matthew Stafford, obviously you have a guy that's going to step in from day one and be the guy where with a Justin Fields, he's going to need time. Uh, Trey Lance, same thing out of North Dakota State. Uh, you know, he's going to need time. And so not every team is going to be on board with a player that they're not confident is going to be the starter, um, you know, from from the get go. They might want someone that is, you know, they'll, they'll take their chances with uh, Sam Darnold or a Carson Wentz in uh, in the trade market because they they feel comfortable that they're going to compete right now um you know and not every front office and uh, coaching situation is you know feels confident that they'll be there uh, to reap the rewards of a quarterback that might need time so you know I, on one hand a team like the Panthers coming out and saying they're going to be very aggressive in the quarterback market I mean you can take that at face value but some of these other teams it might be tougher to to figure out a team like Washington you know, they uh, they they seemingly like, you know, uh, their quarterback situation with, you know, Coach Rivera loves Kyle Allen. They just re-signed Heineke. Um, Alex Smith is still, you know, somewhere in the mix. I don't I don't we don't know what his future is going to hold. So, it, you know, it, it can be tough when you're talking about quarterbacks that maybe aren't ready um, to, to be the starter uh, on this in the season opener. I think it's interesting because, you, you know, you you have three quarterbacks going in the first three picks and what that leaves behind that is a potentially special, maybe even franchise altering type players that are up for grabs there. Cause uh, you've got Penny Sewell going at four to the Falcons, Kyle Pitts going yeah. at five to the Bengals, Jamar chase going at six to the Eagles. Those are three guys that if they perform up to their ceiling are going to be ludicrously good. And we may be looking back on them as bargains, but they're not quarterbacks. And so if you're the Falcons, you know, how lucky can, are, are you if the three first three picks are quarterbacks and you can take a penny stool? 
Yeah, well, and in those uh, those three teams that you mentioned, the Falcons, Bengals, Eagles, two of them are wild cards right now when it comes to the quarterback position. Uh, you right. know, the Falcons are in a position with, you know, an aging Matt Ryan who, you know, they can still compete right now, but I don't think they see themselves as a team that'll be picking in the top five very often. And so, you know, will they feel pressure to maybe get the young quarterback here that they can groom for uh, a year or two uh, in, in a Trey Lance? And we've never seen quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. Um, you know, we've seen them go one, two, three, uh, I believe 1999, that was uh, Couch, Donovan McNabb, Keely Smith. Uh, but we've never seen quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. So that would be interesting. Um, and then you have uh, the Eagles sitting there at six. You know, Carson Wentz on his way out. Um, you know, it's a situation where they have to look at their roster and say, well, is there a quarterback we love or are we better off building up the roster uh, and, and then putting the quarterback in there? Uh, so it's a, a, more of a philosophy uh, debate with, with the Eagles and how they view their roster and how they view the quarterbacks not only in this draft, but the Eagles, uh, just like most organizations, they look forward to next year's draft and uh, the quarterbacks that could be available. And, you know, do they see that as a quarterback rich class? So a lot of intrigue with those three teams. You know, if you're the Falcons, uh, you know, I, I, if you add a talent like Sewell, who, you know, maybe you move Jack Math or Jake Matthews inside to guard Sewell um, at tackle, uh, you know, you can still compete. Uh, you know, they need a lot of help on defense, but you still have an offense that can help you compete in that division. Yeah, where, you know, the, the Saints have a changing of the guard. Uh, you know, the Bucks are still going to be very good next year. Uh, the Panthers, uh, you know, are kind of in your same tier as a, a talented team, but, you know, there, there are some obstacles. So the Falcons are in an interesting spot where they could choose to go with the best player available. You know, in this situation, they could take the best quarterback in, or non-quarterback in this draft, uh, or they can plan uh, to uh, just start to plan for the future with, uh, with a young quarterback. So it's an interesting situation. Uh, for Atlanta for I got to tell you if I'm not totally in love with whatever quarterback I I, I would take I'm taking Penny or Kyle Pitts yeah because those guys those guys could be all-time greats at their position just based on their their skill sets and and what they did in college and that doesn't mean they're gonna be but I I would feel a lot more confident you know my, my my confidence percentage in either of those two guys a lot higher than than any of the non-Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks in this draft. That's fair. And you look at the the Bengals at five. Um, you know, they get a lot of response from Bengals fans saying, well, we need offensive line, offensive line. But I mean, Kyle Pitts is just so, so different. He's so unique with what he offers and what he brings that offense. And, you know, look at Joe Burrow and how watching him at LSU, how much did he attack the middle of the field? with Justin Jefferson oh, yeah. uh, out of the slot. I mean, you give and, Joe and Burrow. And they threw to the tight ends. I mean, Thaddeus yeah, Moss had a right. great year that year. You give Joe Burrow a talent like Pitts where, you know, you're going to have the size advantage. You're going to have a speed advantage. Uh, it's going to open up things for the rest of your offense, and it's going to give you a true threat over the middle of the field. So, you know, he's just it's a very unique player that, you know, there's a lot of people are going to be saying, well, you know, look at the track rate of, uh, you know, tight ends in the top 10. It's not great. And it's not, you know, TJ Hawkinson's been a solid player, but hasn't lived up to being a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, Eric Ebron and Vernon Davis, uh, solid players, but maybe didn't live up to where they were drafted. I, I, I mean, you're taking a chance that Kyle Pitts is going to be the guy that overcomes that and, you know, truly lives up to where he's drafted. But, you know, if you're going to take a chance on a guy doing it, Kyle Pitts is that guy. Yeah, and I don't even look at him as a tight end, really. I just I right. look at him as a receiver. He's a receiver. There are going to be situations where he has to block. There are situations where, you know, 
Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones have to block. So it's, it, he's a receiver. He is a passing game weapon and you need to look yeah. at it like that and not look at it. Like there's a chance, there's a time he's going to be your sixth offensive lineman. That, 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 that's change your offense. If you take the guy, it's right. that's, that's the whole point. But yeah, I, I'm also curious about, you know, positional versatility. We talk about this on the offensive line. Cause it seems like in the NFL, uh, you, you people get very definitive ideas about this guy's a left tackle. This guy's a right tackle. Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is very interesting to me because very good guard from a physical standpoint, looks like a guard, uh, looks like an elite, you know, skill set for a guard, but they move him to left tackle this past year and he was great there. So how much does that help him in terms of value? If, a team knows, hey, if we got to slide this guy to tackle, we might be able to do it. Yeah, there, there's no question. Uh, seeing him do it uh, helps quite a bit, and it's not a projection. Uh, coming into the year, uh, Vera Tucker, you know, he he made my first round mock uh, over the summer. Um, you know, I, I thought he was it, somewhere in that top 40 mix based off what he did in 2019. And once the Pac-12 was actually able to get on the field, he replaces Austin Jackson at left tackle, and he looked outstanding. So uh, I, I think he is going to be drafted as a guard. I, he's my top-rated guard in the draft. But knowing that you could play him in a pinch outside at tackle, uh, that's something that is, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of value. Um, and I think you say the same thing about, like, a Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, who uh, only played tackle uh, in at Northwestern, left tackle and right tackle. But a lot of teams project him best at guard. And so uh, I think that's maybe where his skill set fits the best. But knowing that you could kick him out to tackle um, if you needed to. In this mock draft, I have him going uh, to the Jets. Uh, I've got an intriguing trade, uh, actually, with the Jets coming up to the, the 49ers pick at number 12 and taking Slater. And, you know, you got Mikai Becton at left tackle, Rashawn Slater at left guard. That That's a pretty impressive left side of your offensive line. And then, you know, if you ever want to – kick uh, Slater out the right tackle, he could do that. So having that position flex, no question, is uh, a big part of uh, that draft projection when you're talking about these top 15, top 20 offensive linemen. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying, or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind-the-scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. The other question I had for you, which I think is interesting, you you have Mac Jones uh, down going to the Saints at number 28, which I actually I think that that would be a really good marriage if that's what what it worked out to be. But let's let's have a hypothetical here because mm -hmm. I, I, I'm fascinated by this situation and I, I don't know how it's supposed to really work. Let's say that Matt Rule, who coached Mac Jones's team in the senior bowl, let's say he just fell in love with him, decided he's right. the Panthers quarterback of the future. Well, you don't need to take Mac Jones that high. So what if you know that the guy you want is going to be available when you're picking, but probably will still be available afterward? How risky is it to trade down 
And I guess this is sort of the Mike Mayock question. His first draft, he, he picked Cleveland Furl really high. Could have gotten yeah. him later. Top five. Yeah. So what? What's what's the risk there? Or, you know, is it worth trading down if you, if you decide that's the guy you love? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, uh, and something that will come down to just a team's uh, appetite for risk. Uh, because yeah, I think there's no question. Mac Jones at eight would feel a little rich, but uh, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe the Patriots are enamored with him and are, you know, would trade up from 15 to nine to get him. If the Panthers uh, trade at traded out of eight, even if they move back to, you know, 12, 13, you just never know. Um, you know, especially depending on, you know, where the other quarterbacks land. So yeah, it's a situation where uh, it, it's certainly plausible. And that's something that when I was mapping out this mock, I played around with the idea of the Panthers doing that um, or even drafting a Kyle Pitts at eight and then using their second round pick in a future one to go up from the early second round to, you know, pick 16, 17 or something like that to go get uh, a Mac Jones if he would fall uh, to a certain point. So, yeah, there's, uh, you know, Matt Rule did not hide. Um, you know, kind of with the way he felt about Mac Jones at the senior bowl. I mean, he, he said he, he's a leader. He could tell why, you know, uh, teammates gravitate towards him. He said he had some swagger. So there's a lot, you know, there's Matt rule did not hide, uh, you know, his, his appreciation for Mac Jones, the player and the person, which was interesting. Um, and it really makes it, uh, you know, when you try to decipher what the Panthers are going to do, it, it makes it tough. And, you know, I, I asked around because I think Mac Jones is the toughest player to project at this point um, of the process. And just talking to people around the league, I got feedback anywhere from top 15 to mid second round. And so there's just a yeah. lot of different opinions on where well, your, your co-host Lance Zerline on your podcast. Yeah. He, he's probably lower on Mac Jones than anybody, though. He's coming up. He's he's now yeah. got him. I, I've been swaying a, him. I've been bringing him. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's because <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, Mac Jones, even though he doesn't have the big arm, he doesn't have uh, necessarily the athleticism that you want. His accuracy, his anticipation is just it's it's so on point. He has such a natural feel for that. And yeah, he was propped up by an immaculate offensive system, both personnel wise and scheme wise. Um, But you know, even at the senior bowl, when he was outside of that system, he still, you know, the accuracy was still there. The movements were still there. Um, you know, ha- mentally tough, uh, that, that mental, that mental toughness that he brings is, is something that teams will fall in love with. And I think for the right scheme, it's a natural fit. I, him with the saints would be a perfect fit. You know, that point and shoot offense. Um, it's a, it's a roster that is built to win. Now, when you talk about the offensive line, you talk about the weapons, uh, both at receiver and running back, the play calling, uh, you know, it's, it's a situation that would be not, you know, too dissimilar from what he had at Alabama. So I think that would be a match made in heaven. It just comes down to, would he possibly last that long? Or maybe the saints who have been a very aggressive team in the past on draft day, would they feel comfortable going up to get a Mac Jones if he falls out of the top, you know, 15 picks or so. So Mac Jones, certainly, uh, one of the big wild cards this year. Well, I was laughing when I got to the bottom of the mock because you, you propose a trade at number 32 where yeah. Miami gets the final pick of the first round, trades it to the Buccaneers uh, for their their second round pick, their early second round pick, which is number 36, which I'm assuming they got in a trade, uh, a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. And I was laughing because you have them taking Travis Etienne. And if that were to happen and the draft were actually happening in person 
I can just imagine Trevor Lawrence running through the green room and trying to strangle someone from the Dolphins front office because he wants the Jaguars to take Travis Etienne at number 33. So right. now I don't, I don't know that the Jaguars would go tailback that high because they have many, 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 many needs. And that's not yeah. exactly and one J- of them. James Robinson but, had a pretty good rookie year, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I could just see Trevor Lawrence go, no, no, that was my master plan. How dare you? <laughs> right. Well, and it, if you're the Dolphins, I had the Dolphins trading three times in this mock, which is just how it played out. Um, but yeah, they have the Texans' uh, second round pick, uh, just like they have their first round pick. Um, Laramie and, Tunsil. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, they're still reaping the benefits. Uh, and, you know, by trading back twice earlier in this first round mock, trading back from three to eight, getting Devontae Smith, uh, which is just a great fit with reuniting him with Tua. And then trading back uh, to 24 and getting a Zayvon Collins, which is just a perfect fit for what Brian Flores wants to do on defense. You pick up some extra draft capital. So all of a sudden you have a few extra draft picks where if you want to make this move and not risk a running back like Travis Etienne falling uh, and maybe going to the Jaguars, or the Jets or the Falcons who pick uh, in the early second round. Just you know, jump those uh, couple teams and you know go up and uh, you know get your guy because I, I know the Dolphins really like Travis Etienne. Um, I think they'll consider him even as high as number eighteen, uh, which is the pick they currently have right now. So uh, it, it's a match that makes a lot of sense. That if the Dolphins come away with Devontae Smith, Travis Etienne, Zayvon Collins, all of a sudden that roster, um, you know, we have a lot more optimism looking at that uh, what they could do uh, next year in the AFC East. Yeah, I, I've now officially just gone all the way over on on running backs. I used to say never take one in the first round. Now I've I've sort of evolved a little bit on that. You can take one in the first round, but you'd better be comfortable playing him at slot receiver. If you were comfortable playing him at slot receiver, then by all means take him in the first round. I think Travis Etienne fits that mold. Yeah, and also it, I think it just depends on your roster and your situation. You okay? Say the Tampa Bay stays at thirty-two. I think Najee Harris would be a perfect fit for them. If, if Leonard Fournette uh, signs somewhere else in free agency, um, I, I think Najee Harris plugging him into that offense because Tampa Bay is in a situation where they've got a small window right now. Let's instead of you know drafting for the future, let's draft guys there and help us right now. Najee Harris is basically an upgraded version over Leonard Fournette because he has the pass catching skills. He has the power as a runner, not a huge home run threat, but that's why you have Ronald Jones. So, uh, you know, Najee Harris might not be an option for a lot of teams in the first round, but for a team like Tampa Bay with their roster, their needs, the outlook of, uh, you know, where they are as a franchise, I think Najee Harris would be, be a great pick for them at 32. Is Christian Barmore going to be the, the most overdrafted guy in this draft? Because it, it, it it's amazing. Cause I was going, I, I did a story on, on the Jags free agent needs and they're, their needs are all along the defensive line. And, and my, my theory was, if you watch the Bucks, Shaq Barrett's going to get paid, but he's going to get paid in part because Vita Vea came back from injury. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying build inside out, but inside there's not much, whether it's in free agency or in the draft this year. Because once Barmore goes, there's maybe one other guy going in the, you know, in the first 64 picks. Yeah, I mean, I think probably uh, maybe three guys total. Levi Unzuriki uh, from Washington. Um, from Washington. Yeah, I think he'll get in there. Uh, Davion Nixon from Iowa has got a decent chance to be a top 50 pick. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, both the USC defensive tackles are really good, uh, but they're probably more – I don't think they give you the pass rush value 
that you're looking for from a, a player, from a defensive tackle in the top 50 or 60 picks. So, yeah, I think that's fair. And with Barmore, I mean, he's so interesting because he's he's a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, he flashed as a freshman. And then th- this year, he got off to a slow start. He had a knee injury um, that I think, you know, kind of hampered him earlier in the year. But down the stretch, uh, uh, the second half of the year, he was unblockable. Uh, watching him against Ohio State, uh, watching him, uh, you know, against SEC competition, you see power, you see explosiveness. Uh, he's still very, very raw. And that stems from his inexperience, which is expected. But he just doesn't stay blocked very long. And so yeah. when you and, and I'm not, I'm in, not saying he's not good. I'm just right from a pure supply and demand standpoint. Right. And that's fair. There, Absolutely. There's a lot of people who need somebody like him. Exactly. And that is, you're exactly right. Because if you're, you're a team like the Cowboys, you need interior defensive line help. You're sitting there at 10 probably a little early for him, but you don't feel great that he's going to last to the second round and you don't feel great about maybe some of your other options. You might feel pressured to take a, uh, you know, a Christian Barmore there because you feel so good about uh, not only his talent, but then his overall ceiling. And I think he gives you position flex. He can be a one, he could be a three technique. Um, And yeah, I think he's clearly the top defensive tackle this year. And it's, it's a little tough pegging just how early he could go. So let's talk about the, the guy at the top because he's got his pro day on Friday. If you, you may be listening to this on Friday, so you, you actually may be listening to this as you watch Trevor Lawrence throw on the ACC network for various NFL teams. Now, here's my question to you, Dane. If you're an NFL team, what's the point of making the trip to Clemson if you aren't Jacksonville? Because that's who's taking it. Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to – uh, due diligence and you know you just you never know um you know you, you you if you were you know the a team in the AFC South you might be, you're probably facing Trevor Lawrence twice a year so you know the I, that, more- that's what I was thinking if you're if yeah. you're the Colts or the Texans or you know you you're getting a, an early scouting report on the guy you're gonna right. see for years the more you know in a player the better off you are um you know they're, they're just it's more about due diligence than anything because uh I, I have not talk to a soul in the NFL, um, you know, with a team who believes that he's not going to be the first overall pick. And, you know, the Jaguars are not shopping uh, that first pick. And even with this injury information, um, it's the non-throwing shoulder, uh, not a big deal. He'll get it cleaned up. He'll be just fine. And I think there is something to be said, you know, why does he even have to do this? Because yeah, he is that, going. That was to my next one. question. <laughs> right. I, I, I think it's more, um, you know, Trevor talking with his with his agents and just saying, instead of you know the next two months hearing, oh well, he he was hurt and he couldn't throw. Was he hiding something? You know, it, it's just avoiding all of that, getting it out there. You have nothing to hide. Um, you know, I yeah. think some of the questions with Trevor Lawrence are based more on you know his ability to navigate pressure and things like that. And obviously, that's it, not going to be a problem when he's throwing against air and. And nothing like it. This is going to be him showing off, is what it's going to come yeah. down to. This is, uh, it, it feels to me like the, the blackjack dealer when they leave the table because there's a shift change, kind of showing you their hands. See, right. I didn't take any chips or any money. I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> right. I, am, yeah. I am the the product that you thought you were getting. This is Steph Curry, uh, you know, before a game, you know, just you know, casually shooting, uh, you know, dropping some of these shots from half court and from the third row and thing. You know, he's just showing off, and that's what Trevor Lawrence is going to yeah. do on Friday. And, um, you know, it, some of his uh, some of his issues where he needs to just be more consistent, uh, you know, that it's not something that's going to be not something that's going to come to light in a uh, training session like this. 
Yeah, that's what it, it, it's funny because that was the biggest question I got when they announced that they were going to have this is why does he need to do it? So it's but you're right. It, it is a chance to show off. It's also, you know, a branding opportunity. This is the guy who's going to be the number one overall pick. I'm sure his agents are, are currently working on deals uh, for apparel, uh, different promotional stuff. Uh, different, you know, revenue streams for Trevor Lawrence, and this keeps him in the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. And you, process. you want guys that just—they're not going to hide, you know, like they're not going to hide from the process, and you know, be worried about, oh, well, if I, you know, if I have a few incompletions, what's that going to mean? What's that going to do? I mean, I, I Trevor Lawrence has never shied away from the spotlight. He, he doesn't seek out the spotlight but he doesn't wilt under the spotlight either. Like he, he, he seems unflappable. And I think this is just another example of, you know, yeah, let's just, let's go throw. And you know, that's something that he doesn't necessarily need to do. Cause again, he's going number one overall, but you still love to see it. Well, and look, they've got to drive up the price for Pert plus and Pantene, because that <laughs> is going to be the bidding war to end there you all go. bidding wars. Dane Brugler, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you're going to be glued to your television as Trevor Lawrence throws. I will as well. Uh, what do we have to look forward to from you in the next few weeks? Because I know, I know the beast is coming. Yes, it's it's coming. I mean, work that that's really my main focus: working day and night. Um, you know, to uh, to get that done. Uh, I, I'm I'm hoping it'll be early early April. Uh, but with the pro days maybe being pushed back a little bit, we'll see because I, I want to get all that pro day information in there. Um, you know, it's you have to know that seventh round, the seventh round corner, you need to know his hand size. So uh, I want I want to get all exactly that in there. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the next few weeks I'll be doing position by position. You know, top tens at each position with some analysis, some all twenty two stuff, and. Uh, things like that to kind of the bridge the gap. It's gonna be weird with no combine this year. Uh, it's gonna be very strange. It's it just it's it's just a, a point in the in the off season in the draft process that you you point to and it's just a, a stepping stone. And without that this year, it'll be very strange. But you know we'll manage and it'll be a lot of fun trying to figure these guys out the next two months. All right, Dane Brugler, he's the draft guru at the Athletic. If you're not already subscribed to the Athletic, now is the time to do it because. Dane's writing a book for you, basically. When I say the beast, that's what it we call it the beast because it's massive, but he is writing a book that will tell you everything you need to know about every player who will be drafted into the NFL this year. It is the single best pre-draft resource you can get, and it is part of your subscription to The Athletic. Thank you for doing that, Dane, because I don't think I could. <laughs> I enjoy it. Thanks, Andy. 